I have a riddle for you. What's common between snakes, drowning, needles, heights, and even clowns, like from that hit thriller It? Stumped? You might be surprised to learn that Americans fear public speaking more than any of these things. Why is that? Does the idea of getting in front of a room of hundreds of people, or even 10 people, and speaking send chills down your spine? Stay tuned for this episode of Community Voice, where our guest and public speaking coach, Wendy Gates Corbett, gives us some tips on how to overcome this fear at any age to become a better speaker. In our last episode of Community Voice, you heard from one of our student leaders who founded our first chapter of Consult Your Community in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now we're joined by one of our clients, his team consulted, who shares her experience working with Consult Your Community, or CYC for short. Wendy left her 20-year career as a training executive to start her own business and now helps everyone from students to professional athletes and everyone in between. In this episode, she shares some personal insights about her journey of starting her own business to finding the why in what she does. This is Karen Chandy with Community Voice. Welcome to Community Voice Season 2. We have a really special guest this week. We have Wendy Gates Corbett, who is the founder of Refresher Training. Hey, Wendy, how are you? I'm doing great, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing well. We also have Kieran Shandy, the CEO of Consult Your Community on the line. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. So it's a somewhat dreary and rainy night here in New York City as we do this, but you know, hopefully this conversation is, is much better than the weather outside. So just to kick it off for the listeners, it would be awesome if you could provide a little bit of information about your background. We'll have given you in the lead up to this episode, you know, kind of from our perspective, you know, a little bit about you and how CYC kind of came to know you, but it'd be awesome if, you know, you could give us some of your background, how you kind of got to found Refresher Training. That would be great. Sure. I'd be happy to. So my company, Refresher Training LLC, has been in business for four and a half years. I left a 20-year career as a training executive where I designed and delivered thousands of training programs and worked with tens of thousands of learners, helping them learn different training programs. I left all of that behind four and a half years ago because I had just way too many experiences with great presenters who had materials that just did not match their greatness and some not so great presenters who just (laughs) made me hurt. (laughs) And I decided to accept a mission to rid the world of bad presenters and bad presentations. So that's what my company does. That's what I do. I work with professional speakers, professional athletes, and professionals and students who want to present themselves with more impact. I help them do that. I think that that is an extremely noble mission. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I think we've all probably seen the tough presentations that, that you were talking about. I, I'm assuming it's it's one of those things where everyone can always improve and get better. Even, you know, some of the professors, like the Calc 2 or 3 professors that you have in college. I wanted to ask, I was looking over your website earlier, and I, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, 
one of the kind of small low hanging fruits that, that you were mentioning was, you know, don't wear a watch. And it struck me, you know, I, I never kind of yeah. know why there's always that moment in a presentation when you start feeling uncomfortable about time and looking and definitely is when people start either kind of moving their watch or just looking down at their That's watch. Right. And then everyone's like, oh, God, you know, it's time to leave time to go. You have like 20 more minutes. So, you know, are there any kind of little life hacks or other pieces of low hanging fruit for presenters out there that, you know, just if they had to present tomorrow, don't wear a watch. And, you know, is there any kind of other low hanging fruit that, that you could give the world uh, to, to help us not giving away too many secrets, obviously? Well, actually, I am on a mission to share the secrets. I do not want presenting well to be a well-kept secret because (laughs) I I don't want us to cringe sitting in the audience watching a presenter who either they make us cringe or their slides make us cringe. So one piece of low-hanging fruit is the one that you mentioned, and that is when you're presenting, don't wear a watch. And the reason for that is because as soon as you look at your watch as the presenter, your audience starts thinking, are we running late? Are we going to get out early? Oh my gosh, are we almost done? And all of that is not focused on your message. So you have lost your audience. And then they start thinking, oh, I've got to go shopping after this, or it's going to be time for lunch. And, And their minds go racing. And you introduce that. So when you're, you are presenting, you definitely need to make sure that you keep track of time. Don't do it wearing a watch. The other advice that I would give is in relation to one of the most common questions I get, and that is, how can I be less nervous when I present? And my answer is to practice. I have this concept that I call energy leakage. And the concept is that when we're presenting, we have 100% of energy to use as we present. And the less familiar we are with our content, the more brain power, the more of our energy that we are going to use trying to remember what we say next and when we click the next slide. So the better we know our content, the more deeper, literally, the deeper it sinks into our brains, the more energy we then have to connect with our audience, to use our verbal language and our body language and our gestures to connect with our message and to connect with our audience. So people say, oh, I don't have time to practice. And the more time you make to practice, the more energy and more confidence you're going to have when you're presenting. Wendy, I have a follow-up question to some of the things that you've been saying. So arguably, this is probably one of the the best life skills to have, especially from a professional perspective, to be able to, to speak well and to not use slides as crutches, as you were alluding to earlier. Just to kind of start off the call, what's some of your, your biggest pet peeves that you see people doing when they're speaking, either with slides or without slides? I have seen way too many slides that look like Word documents. They are separate programs. PowerPoint or whatever your presentation tool is, is not a document tool. And just as you mentioned, Kieran, a lot of people use slides as their crutch, as their script. Slides do not serve your purpose. They are not there for you as the presenter. They're there to visually communicate your message to your audience. And in order to visually, that's the key word, visually communicate your message to your audience, you need fewer words. The words need to come out of your mouth, not your slide. 
So one of my biggest rules, uh, biggest slide rules is to get the words off the slides. Yeah, definitely. And I remember back when I was in, in college, so I was part of the, the business program back at Berkeley. And I remember for these class presentations, when we had groups, everyone would be rehearsing what they were going to be saying for those presentations that were graded. And then when you kind of graduate and you get into the work world, you realize that you just have really good speakers who maybe born with them and some people who, you know, perfected over time. So I think, you know, since you work in the, the realm of helping both professionals, but, but also students now, I'd love to also hear from you. Uh, how do you think students, college students particularly, can begin to practice this craft? I think the idea of practicing your presentation out loud is a big difference. And remind me to come to tell you a story about my CYC team doing a presentation in front of me. I think that I can remember back to my days as a student and what I've seen in, in lots of the student organizations that I've been involved with um, since then, that practicing is like a luxury and it's, n it's not scheduled. And so it rarely happens. It's one of the first things that falls off the radar. And your presentation and your, the impression that you make and your influence are all diminished when you don't practice. And so when you can practice, and it doesn't have to be from beginning to end, even just practicing your opening, your opening two sentences and your final two or three sentences will help you make a strong first impression and last impression. And the more you build that habit of practicing your presentation, and when I say practicing a presentation, I mean literally having the words come out of your mouth. The more you can do that, the more, it's, the more you will build your public speaking muscle and the more confidence you will have and the more natural you will look and feel when you are presenting. So I would say start small, Smart, start with practicing just your opening and your closing so that you know it down pat. I think that that's great advice. And, you know, for a lot of us, you know, just turning on CNN, watching some politicians speak, you can see that even people whose job it is to some extent to be a presenter and communicate ideas are pretty inept at doing that and, and just kind of keeping these these natural, you know, why didn't they just practice ahead of time? Or, or you know, what, did they kind of hear themselves actually saying this? This isn't a great way to, to do what they're trying to accomplish here. But not to get too political, I kind of wanted to now move the conversation towards, as you had mentioned, your, your CYC team. And I, and I definitely want to hear that story about them presenting to you. I, th I think that would be very funny. But how did you come in contact with the NC State chapter? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Uh, and then tell me a little bit about kind of that first meeting in person. Sure. Yeah. So the NC State University chapter of Consult Your Community reached out to me. They found me through the Chamber of Commerce. I've been an active member of the Greater Raleigh Chamber of Commerce for probably at least four years. I've been in business for four and a half and an active member of the chamber for at least four years. And so they found my company through the chamber listing. And Hunter, the chapter coordinator, reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for small businesses who want to grow their business and are looking for help in doing that. Are you interested? And at first, when I got the email, I was like, really? 
this cannot be true. And so, <laughs> so, because as a business owner, how often do you get those kinds of emails saying, we would like to help you, we would like to provide a team to work with you for an entire semester at no cost to you, would you like help growing your business? And so I really did think it was too good to be true. And so I researched Consult Your Community on the national level and here in North Carolina. And I said, yes, Hunter, sign me up. So I was assigned a team of five students and they ranged from, I wanna say that one was a sophomore and then three, I think were seniors. And then the other was a junior. So I had a team of five. We met in person and uh, had a great conversation about what their majors are and why they got involved and what they're involved in outside of school, what, what interests and what commitments they have outside of school. And so they, I think they did a great job presenting a united front. It was the beginning of the semester, but they had clearly worked to be a strong team and they had well-defined roles within their team. And so they made a really solid first impression. Okay, so you, you met the team. They obviously impressed you enough to allow them to kind of move forward. You know, what were your asks from them? So what did your business need or what did you want help on? What I wanted help on is launching a new branch of my business. The core of my business has been presentation skills training, redesigning bad PowerPoint presentations, and teaching people how to design better slide presentations themselves. So all of that was really well established. I have a solid business doing that. But at the beginning of this year, I decided that I wanted to grow my keynote speaking business. So I have several messages related to, um, related to personal growth and professional development and personal development that I wanted, I wanted to start speaking um, and sharing those messages with, both with corporate communities as well as student communities. But I didn't know anything about the public speaking market. So what I was looking for was how do I grow a public speaking business? And that's what my CYC team helped me determine. Hi, Wendy. This is Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Happy to be able to join you again. So some small business owners are approached by students for engagements. And at times, it can feel like a gamble to say yes. I was wondering if you could speak to how CYC was different than an ask from maybe a different student group in terms of the level of professionalism. You kind of alluded to Hunter reaching out and talking to you. I was hesitant at first because it, I wasn't sure how committed the chapter was. And I've had some experiences before where students are doing a project as part of a class and as part of class credit where they may not have taken their project as seriously. And I didn't have time for that. And I didn't want to make a commitment and then back out. And I also didn't want to make a commitment where I ended up doing most of the heavy lifting. So as someone who is a professional corporate trainer, I'm all about helping people, especially students, learn and develop their skills. I love the whole mentoring thing. And so I was happy to provide learning opportunities for a team, but I didn't want to do all of the heavy lifting. 
So part of my due diligence was researching um, Consult Your Community on a national level, and I looked at some of the other chapters' websites to see um, testimonials from some of the business owners that they had helped. And I also researched NC State's chapter, and that made me feel like it was worth taking the risk because I saw that it is a nationwide program. It is student-run and student-led by people who want to do consulting and who want to help small businesses. And so I took that risk, and I'm really glad that I did. That makes me really happy to hear. Maybe for those that aren't familiar with the engagement, can you speak to some of the deliverables that Hunter and his team worked with for your engagement? Sure. So our project manager was Sedona Hilt, and so she was my primary point of contact. And that's one of the things that was really, really helpful is I knew there was a team of five, and Sedona did all of our meeting scheduling, and she was the voice of the team in terms of communicating with me. So we met, we had our initial meeting, and then we had a second meeting where we determined of everything that I want to focus on this year in 2017, where could they make the biggest impact? And if I want to step into this public speaking market, where could they help me the most? And we determined that um, as a group. And then they set off and did market research on whether it made more sense to focus on growing a corporate speaking business or a student or you know, college speaking business what the pros and cons were of each. And then they also researched the market, both the corporate speaking market and the student speaking market. So they presented me with market research about the number of speakers that are in each market, as well as the number of potential speaking opportunities that were in each market. And they made some recommendations for me. And they also provided some suggestions for using NC State as an example, some student groups that I could reach out to to connect with to get invited to speak on campus. So they did the market research for me. They presented those reports to me. Midway through the semester, they did a midway project presentation and then they gave me final recommendations at the end of the semester. So I've worked with Sedona, so I've gotten to see her coordination skills and, and she's always on top of everything. So I'm, I'm glad you got that experience as well. And I wanted to ask, so, you know, just jumping back a little bit, when, when you thought after looking at the recommendations, you know, in the market research, what was kind of going through your mind from making a business decision? You know, you have to obviously think about the two different types and sizes of markets and how much, you know, penetration that you can get. But, you know, primarily, what were your main, like, okay, if, if yay or nay, if you had a list, what were you interested in, in finding an answer to about both the student speaking and then corporate speaking routes? Well, I'm still torn because I can think of it in terms of the impact I can have or potentially a smoother entry point into a market. What I mean by that is my main keynote, my biggest message, the one that I am most passionate about for student audiences is about reclaiming our power of belonging and what I mean by that is that I think that many of us at any age, at all ages, rely on other people to tell us that we belong. 
And I have been through some really painful experiences in my life and have come out on the other side of them, having figured out that I own my sense of belonging. I determine when I belong and when I don't. And since I've made that discovery, I have blossomed into being me and I have gained strength and confidence in being me and not trying to be who you think that I am. And I want to reach people at early ages so that you don't waste time trying to be someone else and you can have more time being you. So I am more passionate about sharing that message with a younger audience so that they can live more of their life as themselves. But I am in my upper 40s and I am quite removed from college and I don't have many direct contacts on college campuses. So an entry point into speaking to, to, student, um, to student groups is harder. So that means that with my corporate experience and my corporate background, I have lots of connections and in a corporate world. So an entry point into corporate speaking might be smoother. And the messages that I have to share with corporate environments are also relevant. And, and I think the message of belonging is also relevant there. I have other messages there. I'm more passionate about encouraging people to reclaim their own sense of belonging. And so I struggle with what do I focus on? Do I focus on what I am? Do I make decision on which market to start with? based on what I'm most passionate about or what may lead to the, the smoothest and quickest market penetration. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, you know, that message, especially today and tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, that message only becomes, I think, more necessary for college campuses. Obviously, through this organization, you know, even after I've graduated and all of us have been able to, you know, stay in touch and really see what, what happens on the ground at, at many college campuses. And I, and I think, you know, your message is absolutely spot on and, and very additive and, and helpful. I, I don't think college students have a lot of people, you know, inviting them to, to own their own belonging, whereas I think it's normally kind of more of a, you know, find your belonging through, you know, this major, find your belonging through this organization or, or whatever it may be. So I, I think that's a really, really powerful message. I, I wanted to ask on uh, a little bit of a different note, but you had mentioned that um, during the midway presentation and even the final presentation, it was kind of, you know, the, the student trying to be the master a little bit, them trying to give a presentation to you, which might have been almost like a little bit of an existential type communication. But how was that? Do you think that in researching and speaking to you about your business, do you think that they became better presenters as time went on? Did you you critique them? You know, how were their presenting skills at the chapter? Well, <laughs> It was funny because I would, I don't know this for sure, but I would bet that the presentation they gave to me midway through the project might have been the presentation they were most prepared for last semester. I don't know that for sure, but I would almost bet on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So we went into the presentation saying, look, y'all are here to present to me your findings and I am your client. So I am here to learn what your recommendations are. And so we focused on that. And then afterwards, after we had covered that part of our meeting, then I gave them feedback um, each individually on what I thought they did well and what they could do better. But overall, I think they did a great job. All of them presented. They each had different sections and they flowed nicely. They did a good job. Yeah, Wendy, I'm, as, as you're talking, I'm imagining you know, how much pressure it must feel like for, for a student group to, to be presenting to a presentation coach. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, apart from that, one thing that I wanted to ask was, was there anything in the research that was surprising to you? I know you said that, you know, you had gone into this project hoping to get more clarity as to how to penetrate the student speaking market as an example. But um, and, and you said that you weren't as close to that, but were there things that you found surprising from the research that the chapter was able to provide? Yeah, and actually it was the entry points that they suggested. And it, this might be from a matter of perspective, but I think when, when I was thinking about talking to student groups, I was envisioning reaching out to deans of student life or student leadership and thinking about reaching out to college university faculty or staff as an entry point. The recommendations and the ideas that they gave me for speaking to student groups were student-led student groups. And I just like had a V8 moment, like, duh, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about reaching out directly and trying to connect directly with students. And here I was working with a group of students, like, hello. So that insight was really helpful. And one of the things that I found incredibly helpful was that my team was really diverse in terms of where they were from and what their majors were and what their their school and outside school activities were. So when they came up with a list of potential student organizations to get involved with, that list was really broad, which was great because they were activities and student groups that I would not have thought of. So that was surprising to me, and it was it was really enlightening to me that I realized that I I understand why I was thinking about reaching out to campus faculty and staff given my age and where I sit, and it also makes sense to me that a student team would think about reaching out to student-led student groups, and so having that realization was kind of surprising to me, pleasantly surprising to me. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it sounds almost like the, the, you know, a lot of times in marketing, companies go and they get a focus group to get an understanding of the product. But in this case, it's, it sounded like CYC kind of came to you as a focus group and was able to provide some of these recommendations. So uh, I'm glad it worked out. One follow-up question that I had was actually kind of linked to something that you were saying at the beginning of our, our conversation around how when you first came to hear about the group, People, you know, it was a little bit, you were a little bit skeptical. And, you know, of course, by the, by the midpoint presentation, you said you felt pleasantly surprised by what the team had put together. But, you know, what did the team do to kind of build that confidence? Because, you know, the skepticism isn't something that goes away overnight. So do you have any anecdotes to share about how the team worked with you and what you enjoyed about the experience? Feel free to share anything embarrassing or funny. <laughs> 
Well, I think one of the things that, that they did that helped build the trust and maintain the trust is they were definitely a united team. And I felt like they all contributed. Uh, Sedona was the voice of the team in terms of communicating with me in the main point of contact. But it was clear to me that everyone contributed to the entire project. And we also maintained consistent contact. There were times in the semester when I was really busy. And then there were times in the semester, of course, when they were really busy. But we maintained contact and we'd say, you know, I know I owe you this, you know, this email or this piece of information. I will get it to you by such and such a date. We both did that. And, and so we were able to maintain communication even through our busy times. And they delivered. You know, it's clear to me, and it was clear to me, and it still is clear to me, that in the work that they did was not just a simple Google search. It wasn't pulled together just the night before. It was a thorough and well-done market research project. As Wendy mentions, this power of reclaiming our sense of belonging is so timely around this time of year as we go back to our family and loved ones this holiday season. If you've been enjoying this episode of Community Voice, please consider donating whatever you can by going to consultyourcommunity.org donate. Every dollar goes to supporting this 501c3 organization that empowers the small businesses across the country that do their part and creating a sense of belonging in your community as well as mine. Something I wanted to ask, and you know, as part of this organization, we're always trying to you know learn more about small businesses so that we can provide you know a better service to them, and you know help figure out you know any issues or roadblocks that the small businesses face. And it's something I wanted to ask. And it's come out just a little bit in, you know, you're kind of looking to figure out how to penetrate or, or which market makes the most sense. And luckily they could help you out with that. But I guess stepping back a little bit in, in running a small business and kind of making that decision, um, you know, a number of years ago, you know, I guess on the positive note, what's been something that, you know, every day, you know, has, has made you really happy to, to be a small business owner and to be doing that. And then I guess on the other side, you know, for anyone out there trying to become an entrepreneur or start a small business, what's the, the toughest thing or, or, you know, the biggest roadblock or, or, you know, maybe recurring issue that small businesses face? Well, I can tell you in my four and a half years of running a business, the positive thing that keeps me going is that I absolutely love what I do. I love my mission and I am making progress on my mission because I am ridding the world one presenter or one presentation at a time, I am ridding the world of bad presentations and bad presenters by making them both better. And I left a 20-year career where I was a really successful training executive. I left a position as a global training director for a global company making great money, but I was miserable. I hated what I was doing because I I was not making a difference. Telling people where to click and what to type was not making the kind of difference I know that I am supposed to make in this world. 
So I was terrified when I started my own business, but because I don't know, I don't have a salary and I don't know where my next sale is coming from, but I love what I do and waking up and not can't, when I can't wait to get to work and start working, that is priceless. And I encourage anyone who is doing work that doesn't fulfill them to not waste much time doing work that doesn't fulfill you, whether that's finding another job, another, another working for someone else or another organization or starting your own company. I was actually a reluctant business owner. I, I never I never really wanted to, to be in a position where I didn't have salary and benefits and, and all of that, knowing where that was coming from consistently. But I had way too many experiences with bad presenters and bad slides that I really felt called. I couldn't ignore that that cringe in my my gut and on my face when I saw bad presentations. I couldn't not do something about it. And so having the courage to follow what I feel called to do um, is one of the most positive things about being a business owner. You, you had another question, a follow-up question to that. Yeah. Before I bring that up, I, I just, I envision having, you know, a card that someone can anonymously leave after a presentation and, and kind of like a, you know, call Wendy, you, you need it. <laughs> I mean, that would be, that would be extremely helpful. It might be somewhat awkward, but, but that would, that would definitely, I think, help spread the cure faster. My other question was, you know, what's, what's kind of one of the hardest things or hardest obstacles for a small business owner? And I know you kind of alluded to the fact that to some extent you're, you're leaving a very cushioned world with, you know, a lot of, a lot of trappings and benefits and, and, you know, you know, every single couple of weeks you're going to have your, your salary coming in, but has there been kind of one issue that has really stuck out to you that starting a small business is hard because of this? I think it's hard because there's so much unknown. I mean, I, I am a training expert. I'm a talent development expert and I know most facets of talent development or training. Not a whole lot of that applies to running a business. So there are things like business insurance and website design and marketing design and search engine optimization and nourishing your pipeline and brand awareness and you know all of these things that were not in the expertise that I had. So it can be overwhelming to think about all it takes to run a business. What I've learned continually is I cannot do it all. Everything it takes to run a business, I can't do it all. Even what I outsource, there are still things that I'm not doing. So for example, when I first started my business, I started my business in the month of May, and I told myself by September, I'm gonna start a blog because I know how important it is to, to blog when you're a business owner. Four and a half years later, I have not started a blog. All right, I've given up on the idea of blogging. I know how important it is. I hear that all the time. The truth is I am not gonna blog. I have accepted that. And so that's one of, one of the few things that, that I've realized that I have just accepted. It is something that I know business owners should do, and I'm not, period. So there. Um, and so acknowledging that there are things that you will need to do as a business owner and some of them you will not do. 
So bringing it back to bad presentations, something that I've struggled with is just, you know, getting up there and and making a fool of myself, you know? And I actually was fortunate enough to take a class at the University of Maryland, or rather a presentation with uh, Dale Carnegie, Mm -hmm. uh, public speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one way that Dale Carnegie teachers, you know, address that problem of people feeling embarrassed is by asking their students to walk onto a stage and crumple up a piece of paper with a fury and then literally lose their minds in front of an audience (laughs) and just go crazy. And then, you know, the teacher and the student will look back on the video footage of, you know, said episode (laughs) and say to themselves, oh, wow, maybe that's maybe that's not that bad. Are there any tips you have for students whose biggest fear is embarrassing themselves? Yeah, and it's actually something that I learned in college. I learned it in an acting class. I am not an actor. I've never done anything theatrical. And I think one of the, the classes I learned the most in, in all four years of college, of, of undergrad, was this acting class. And the professor reminded us daily to get over ourselves. I am 48 years old, and I spent probably 35 years of my life worried about making a fool of myself. And you know what? It's a lot of fun to make a fool of yourself. And when you do, and you realize that you're still alive, and you can still laugh, and you can still sweat, and you can still breathe, and that your audience is laughing with you and not at you, your friends still love you, that you survive being a fool, you let yourself off the hook. Because you were, it's like we think that we don't want anyone else to think that we're human. And that's counterintuitive because the world wants people who are human. You know, and we want to hang out with, we want to listen to people who are human. And when we're human, we are imperfect and we stumble and we say the wrong word and we trip over a mic, you know, that happens. So get over yourself and have fun making a fool of yourself because life is a lot more fun when you don't care. When you don't care about making a fool of yourself, I should say. <laughs> um, and I think your, your response kind of comes full circle back to maybe making an analogy between public speaking and, and actually starting a business where, you know, you yourself mentioned you weren't really sure what you were getting yourself into and you were able to, to take that leap and say, hey, I'm going to leave my, my job that I know pays well and, and is stable and, and I'm going to take a, a leap into the unknown um, and, and so maybe a closing question for me uh, to you, Wendy, is how did you, you know, it's one thing to get on the stage and be willing to, to talk for 10 minutes and say, okay, it's going to be over after 10 minutes. But um, starting your own business is a, is a much bigger risk, right? So how did you take that leap? I know you mentioned there, there was this, this feeling in you, this gut instinct that was calling to you. But at the end of the day, you know, for any other small business owners who are listening to this podcast or students who are aspiring to maybe... Um, start their own company someday. What advice can you give for, for this audience? Uh, how we can kind of listen to our that to that inner voice and, and gain that clarity? I would say that the thing that that made me take the leap was realizing that just because I am starting a business doing presentation consulting 
doesn't mean that I need to make all of my money doing presentation consulting stuff. So I had all of this experience designing and delivering training programs for years. Just because I was starting my business didn't mean that I needed to give that up. So realizing that I came, my husband and I came up with a plan where we de- determined how much money I needed to bring in in order to meet my obligations. And we decided that I would do anything that people would pay me for that was legal, that I knew how to do as I was starting my business. So realizing that I don't have to bring in all of that money from presentation design, I, I could do it from delivering a training program, designing someone's training program. I could clean out somebody's car if they needed me to, if I needed to, in order to bring in some money. So realizing that just because I'm starting a business doing one thing doesn't mean that I need to give up all of my other talents that can be income producing. And that when I do that, doesn't mean that I'm sacrificing my business. And it doesn't mean that I'm selling out my business. It means that I am hustling and using all of the skills that I have at my disposal to make my ends meet. So when I started my business, I actually did more um, training contract projects for the first year of my business. And then gradually, as I got more clients to, to redesign their presentations and doing presentation skills and slide skills training, I just did less contract work. And all of that was okay. So I think you can start a business and not have to give up any of the skills that you have that can be part of your hustle to make your ends meet. That's my advice to to people thinking about starting a business. I think that's great advice. And, you know, Wendy, I'm very cognizant of your time here. So, you know, as, as we come to a close, I just, I wanted to ask, you know, where can people find you? For the listeners, Wendy has a really beautiful website. But Wendy, you know, are, are there events or different, you know, speaking, coaching events that, that people could find you at or go to, to see you? And then, and then, you know, other social media handles or other things where, where someone could kind of either, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, make a referral to, to a bad presenter, or maybe just go to you for, for some help and advice. Sure. Well, I've got uh, several speaking engagements coming up in the middle of November. On November 17th, I will be in Washington, D.C. speaking at the National Conference on Student Leadership. I'll be presenting what is one of my signature presentations, and that's Seven Language Secrets for Presenting Yourself with Power. So if you are attending the National Conference on Student Leadership, I would love to see you. I will also be in Baltimore uh, right around that same time. Marcus Ogden is a former NFL player who is a client of mine. He runs a public speaking academy for former and current professional athletes, and we will be working with him and with clients up there. And I'm actually speaking probably next week at the North Carolina State University CYC chapter I will be sharing my experience as a business owner who's been helped by CYC. I am also deeply involved with the Association for Talent Development. That's an international organization for corporate training professionals. And I sit on their international board of directors. So I do a lot of speaking at some of the over 100 chapters across the country. And I'll be speaking at their international conference in San Diego next May. 
That's quite the full schedule. And, you know, in, in closing, I, I would recommend that, that everyone try to attend these events. And in, in closing, you know, I would, I would just say, Wendy, I, I think what you do, you know, and, and one of the things that, that I've noticed just both in, in being in school and, and out of school is that there's not really that many um, people that, that, you know, their, their first inclination is is to hide and and if there are that's that's normally because as Catherine mentioned there's some sort of embarrassment or some sort of fear and and I think you know what you do in a very fundamental sense is is helping people kind of break out of that mentality and you know if if you're going to spend your whole life hiding then there's not really that much purpose to it so I think it's a really powerful message and and you know I as one former college student um, and, and in all seriousness uh, just kind of as a as a young professional I think I think these skills are really important and they stick with you and and you know they age very very well um, so so I, I really appreciate you jumping on the line, Wendy, and you know, best of luck moving forward, and and looking forward to uh, to seeing seeing what else what else you're able to accomplish. Well, thank you all for having me. This has been a joy. I cannot say enough about my my CYC team and this organization, and what a blessing it is for small business owners. And I know that that all of you who are involved on the consulting side that you get a lot from it too. But speaking from a business owner, it is just a joy and it's amazing what you do. And I want to thank all of you for making it happen. Thanks, Wendy. We obviously always love hearing that and that means a lot to everyone on the line. <laughs>